Hey everyone, hope you all are having a great day, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I have a question for tonight, it doesn't relate to either one of the stories, just something that I wanted to ask. So, you may or may not have seen that we recently had a pipe burst in the bathroom, um, but it's fixed now, and everything's back to the way it should be, and I'm very grateful for that. So my question is, what is something in your life right now that's making you happy? Something that's bringing you joy? Just want to spread a little bit of positivity down in the comments section. Let me know, and uh, let's get a discussion going. Now, let's get on to some scary stories. Wither by Cryptic Nightmares if you find yourself enjoying this story, be sure to check out more of his work down in the comments. I found this journal in my local gym alongside some odd-looking workout supplements. I've been debating using them, but I'm not sure. What's written in the journal has me second-guessing myself, so I'll copy the contents here. Tell me what you guys think I should do. God damn it, Jerry. I've told you before, it's never going to happen. You already had your chance. Those were the final words of the last time I spoke to my ex-wife. I'm six foot three inches tall, 240 pounds. I'd grown into an average dad bod. Not very athletically shaped, but by no means fat. Yet she still left me with the excuse that I was too fat for her. I begged and pleaded with her, claiming I could lose some weight and work out until I was back to her liking. She was willing to hear none of it. Her mind was made up, and she was leaving. Yes, like many of my friends have suggested, I thought there might be something else behind the scenes. She could have been leaving me for someone else she'd seen. I didn't want to picture or think about that possibility. I felt that if I didn't imagine it, it would prevent it from being true. I wanted her back, no matter how much I worked for it. My thought was to lose the weight and get into shape, and then maybe I could call her and show how much I had changed. In my delusional mind, that sounded like a perfect plan. I mean, what's a few weeks at the gym and eating healthier? It's probably something I should have been doing earlier just for myself. So, that's what I was going to do. I began by going to the grocery store, planned all my meals for the next week, paying close attention to the number of calories and sugar and fat content of each item. I figured that if the average person requires 2,000 calories per day just as a baseline, I'd be working out and exercising, plus reducing my calorie intake to 1,500 per day. I'm no doctor or dietitian or anything like that. Honestly, I'm just some dude who works in the IT department for a call center, but that method made sense. Burn more calories than you take in means you lose weight instead of gaining it, right? Going to the gym every day on top of that would help me tone and at least look slightly more muscular along with all this weight I'd be losing. I felt fantastic on my way home from the store, dreaming about how good I was going to look and how quickly I'd be able to do it if I was determined enough. I thought over and over again to myself that this was going to work, and I would soon be getting my ex-wife Stephanie back. Starting the next day was the first day of my mission. I was going to get up extra early and pack my meals for the day, go to the gym for an hour, then to work, then back to the gym for another hour or so. 
That was going to be my routine every day until I made it to where I wanted to be, and she took me back. After the first week, I felt terrific. After my Friday workout, I stepped on the scale and learned that I'd already lost five pounds. My plan was working. I'd gone from wanting to lose 50 to 45 pounds in one week. My body felt better, and I don't know if it was just the delusion of how good I felt, but I thought I already looked more fit and muscular. Again, that weekend I went to the store and planned out my meals for the next week. I thought Stephanie was bound to be impressed and take me back when I completed my transformation. That Sunday night, I was too excited about my progress to stay up and went to bed early to wake up and get to the gym the next day. The second week felt rough as my muscles and body became sore from all the new strain. When I stepped on the scale that Friday at the gym, I noticed I'd somehow gained back the five pounds from the week before. Both confusion and rage filled me as I walked to the locker room to change and leave. How could I have gained it back already? Yet I stuck to my diet and worked out just as much and just as hard as before. There was no excuse I could think of for not keeping on the same loss pattern as before. As I've been told many times before in my life, muscle weighs more than fat. The only problem with that is looking in the mirror, I don't feel like I've gained much muscle and my stomach still hasn't changed from the flabby gut that I started with. Still, I stuck to my diet and workout routine. That third week, I noticed a strange man that I'd often see sitting on a bench in the back of the locker room. He sat in baseball shorts and a hoodie with an oversized hood that drooped down over his face, concealing it in shadows. Every part of exposed skin seemed to bulge with lean muscle. Nothing about the man himself was strange, but what I did find odd was that I never saw him out on the floor lifting any weights, or really anything but sitting there. I never saw him leave or enter the locker room, but he sat there for three or four days a week. I ignored his presence for the most part, yet after rechecking my weight that Friday and seeing that I had gained another four pounds again without losing any of my gut, I couldn't seem to get the image of him sitting there on the bench at the back of the locker room out of my mind. I thought how eerie it was. I never saw the man move. Nearly to the point, I'm not sure I even noticed him breathing, although I knew he was. The shadow of the hood hid his dark, stoic face. I didn't know if he sat watching all the gym patrons as they came and went, or if there was another purpose for his presence in the locker room. After so long of thinking about it, I concluded that he must be some sort of security guard, some kind of officer to prevent people from stealing things from the lockers and gym bags. Although the guy put off a very creepy vibe, it sort of made sense to have someone in there. It was like having a living security camera when you couldn't legally put a camera in there. My new conclusion of the strange man's purpose still didn't entirely sit right with me, but it was enough for me to carry on with my workout without overthinking it. Though not entirely, I grew accustomed to seeing the man there when I went to the gym. It almost became a ritual for me to check if he was there or not every day when I entered the locker room. I learned that he was in there five days a week, but the days he was gone were never the same, and they were never back-to-back. One week he'd be gone Monday and Thursday, while he might be gone Wednesday and Friday the next. By the end of the second month of paying close attention to my diet and going to the gym every day, I'd only seen very little progress. 
I'd only lost six pounds and gained minimal muscle definition. At this rate, it would be forever before I could even get the chiseled physique I would need to get my wife back. I had to keep trying, though. I didn't want to get back into the dating scene again, and she was perfect for me as far as I was concerned. I didn't know what I had done to win her over in the first place, but if she said that my being out of shape was the problem, well, that was something I could fix. I just had to keep working on it. However, in the back of my mind, I knew that if it took too long, my moment might pass and I would never be able to get her back. I began looking online, searching and watching through every little lose your belly fat with this one weird trick I could find, trying to find something that would work for me. I researched all the latest diets and exercise tips and tricks, tried different weight loss supplements, and did nearly everything else I could think of. In my head, time was running out, and I needed to hurry this along. When she left me, she told me that she didn't want me to talk to her, but I knew that I could change her mind if I did this. Every day, the massive man sat watching me show up, change and push myself to the point of collapse before returning exhausted to the locker room. He would watch as I finished each day by stepping to the scale and returning to the bench utterly defeated. Then it happened. He spoke but a single question, as well as moved. I'd grown so accustomed to him sitting motionless that I'd all but forgotten he was even there, so it startled me to see him move and hear him speak. His voice was deep and guttural and booming. What would you sacrifice to become? I didn't understand the question, as was clearly shown in my face. My confusion only increased as I watched the behemoth of a man rise from his typical seated position. His footsteps thundered on the ground as he walked to leave the locker room. He was clearly off to whatever else it was he did, and in my panic for answers I began to bombard him with queries about his oddly chosen question. Become what? Stronger? Thinner? I'd give anything. Please, how can I look like that? No response came from him as he moved. Instead, he simply turned the corner and disappeared. I rushed out of the locker room after him, hoping to get more answers to my questions, but as I entered the main gym area in a panic, I was met with nothing but confused looks. I called out to the gym, asking where the man went. I asked frantically three times before one of the trainers pulled me aside and began to speak to me. Sir, I need you to calm down and explain. You seem to have lost someone. Can you describe them for me? Fuck do you mean describe him? It's a seven foot tall black guy built like a brick shit house. I mean, seriously, the guy looked like he chugged gallons of steroids and snorted protein powder. There's no way in hell you could have missed him. He was huge. So now, where did he go? Did this man take something from you? Did they assault you in some form or another? What? No, God damn it! I did. He said something to me as he walked out, and I need to know what he meant. Please, this is important to me. Now again, where did he go? By that point, another muscle-ridden personal trainer from the gym had shown up and led the three of us into the back office. Sir, 
My name's Garretts. I guess you can consider me as the manager on duty. We can check the cameras and see if we can find where they went. Garrett led the way, followed by me and the other trainer that never stated his name and I didn't care enough to ask. The office was small and quaint. It was sparsely furnished, with little more than a small desk and a couple of plastic and wire chairs. A large monitor sat on the desk connected to a slightly outdated computer. The walls were furnished, much like I would expect a gym addict's dorm room to look. Posters of protein shake powders and pre-workout supplements. Some guy in a Speedo flexing an alarming number of muscles at the most recent Mr. Universe or some other weightlifting idol. Typically, I'm a man of moderate to impressive amounts of patience. However, something about being within those walls caused all patience to expel from my body faster than a colony of mice in a building fire. Finally, after some quick typing, a few loud sighs and some mouse clicks, Garrett turned to me to speak. Hey, are you sure this man left the locker room? Yes, I'm sure. Why do you ask? And how does nobody know what I'm talking about? This behemoth of a guy is in the locker room damn near every day. I thought he was some sort of security guy for you, and now you're telling me he isn't? Sir, I feel this is only going to confuse you more, but you were the only person in or out of that locker room for the past 30-ish minutes now. What? Yeah, no joke. Look for yourself. He said as he turned the large monitor to face me. Chet, you can go check the locker room to see if there's anyone in there that might fit this guy's description. The other trainer, apparently called Chet, simply nodded and left the room. I watched as Garrett clicked back on the camera's timeline to the point I first entered the locker room after my workout. As the seconds ticked into minutes, I watched as no other souls ever came near the entrance, let alone went in or came out. Finally, after a few moments of watching the tape, I saw my own face emerge from the doorway, plastered with a look of frantic confusion. I felt as though my brain was short-circuiting. I knew I'd seen him leave. I heard the question he boomed to me as he passed. I could feel the vibrations on the floor as his footsteps moved in through the room. Yet the video did not show even the slightest hint of him leaving ahead of me. Suddenly, embarrassed at the situation, I shook my head, trying to clear it. Thoughts began to cross my mind that I may have dreamed the entire situation up. I looked at Garrett, still slightly confused, as I rose from my seat. I'm sorry, I haven't been sleeping very well lately. I must have fallen asleep in the locker room or something. Again, I'm, I'm I'm sorry for the hassle. It must have been some really weird vivid dream or something. Garrett stood for a second, looking me over with a very skeptical look that he couldn't seem to hide. After a few short seconds, he matched my pose and stood from his chair before responding. Well, in that case, sir, I suggest you head home and get some much-needed sleep. Remember, rest is essential for muscle recovery. He flashed me a very smug grin, and it was all I could do to prevent myself from rolling my eyes at him before leaving the room. As I walked back to the locker room to gather my things, I ran into Chet, who decided to stop me. Hey, sir, I couldn't find any trace of the guy you were talking about. I'm sure everything's cool, bro? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I uh, spoke with Garrett a little more, and I think I might have just dreamed it up due to sleep deprivation. Okay, well, rest is important for muscle recovery. Yeah, yeah, I know. Garrett said the same thing to me. I interrupted. I'm going to head home, let myself recover, as you call it. Chet seemed slightly offended that I finished his sentence for him and left for the office without another word as I reached for my hand and lifted it to go. I noticed that something felt off about it. It felt heavier than I remembered it being when I brought it in. Not just by a few ounces, either. If that had been the case, I doubt I would have noticed. It was heavier by five or more pounds. Acting a little more enthusiastically than was necessary for the situation, I dropped the bag, ripped the zipper open, and threw the flap back. Sitting under an extra pair of gym shorts was a small container that looked to have some sort of pills inside, along with two tubes of a very strange-looking cream. The labeling on the items was a paradox. They somehow both looked amateur and professional at the same time. It was as if a bootleg copy was actually the real deal. The tubes of cream had a picture of a very gaunt but happy-looking person with a cartoon speech bubble. Inside the bubble were the words, The weight just falls off. I couldn't help but admit that something about the advertising seemed very compelling to me. I mean, after trying nearly everything else I had found, maybe this one would be what I needed to drop the pounds and get my ex-wife back. I decided to take the creams and pills back to my place and inspect them further. As I turned to leave, I caught a quick glance at myself in the mirror. My ex's voice instantly bellowed through my mind. How do you expect me to love you when you're as fat and lazy as you have gotten? Some people might think she was being mean or rude, but it's okay. She was right. How could she love me when I put on an extra 10 or 20 pounds? It's not the person she married. I become a fat slob and it was okay for her to feel like that and say that stuff. Right? Either way, it didn't matter because I was going to lose the weight and get her back. I just hoped that this new stuff would do the trick. The strangeness of how it appeared in my bag was easily overshadowed by the possibility of it helping me achieve what I wanted. When I got home, I dumped my gym bag out on the counter like a drunk girl trying to find her car keys. I grabbed the container of pills and began reading the label. It seemed to be the same branding as the tube of cream, and in my excitement, I merely skimmed over a lot of the information written on it until I got to the directions for use. The bottle told me that for the best results, take one pill in the morning and at night for a month. I thought that'd be easy enough, and it even said that it didn't need an extensive workout regimen to go with it. The instructions for the cream were even more straightforward. They said, apply cream to problem areas once a day, and the fat-burning ingredients would make it all fall away. I figured if I used these two new items, plus I kept up my workouts, I would lose the weights and be back with my ex in no time at all. It seemed like a relatively foolproof plan to me, and even if I had no proof that it was him, I knew that the strange giant of a man from the locker room was the one that left this stuff in my bag. 
I thought to myself that whether or not he responded, I needed to thank him next time I saw him. Those first few days, I decided to only take the pills, and I would add the cream after the first week. The pills made my jaw ache and made me feel like I'd turned into a furnace. The amount of heat that began to radiate from my body alarmed me at first. However, as soon as I began to think, this might be why they call it fat burning, the sudden rise in body heat caused me to feel the need to check my temperature. Although it was definitely elevated, it never seemed to reach what I would consider fever levels. After the first week, I began to add the cream to my weight loss regimen. It was very similar to the pills in the sense that it caused wherever I applied it to have an intense burning sensation. They worked, though, and I couldn't have been more excited about it. In the first two weeks, I'd lost eight pounds, which was better than what I'd accomplished in the months at the gym before. I was hooked. It worked so well, I even stopped going to the gym. I didn't need to go anymore. As long as I followed the directions, the weight just kept going away. By the time I lost 12 pounds, all I could think about was losing more. The only thing on my mind was waiting till I could take the next pill. I quickly lost any desire to eat or even sleep. Pacing back and forth from the counter in the kitchen to the scale in the bathroom, I suddenly remembered my original purpose. Her words rang in my mind. Some comment about how being the fat, ugly fuck that I was, nobody would ever love me. Her exact words didn't matter, because as I stood on the scale for the tenth time that day, I noticed I'd lost another pound since the morning. I was going to do it. I was going to win her back for sure. I yelled out in excitement at the progress I was seeing. I know I already used the cream today, but would it hurt if I double it up? It should cause it to work faster, shouldn't it? I muttered to myself as I walked to the counter. Putting on a second coat of the cream caused my flesh to burn much more than usual, but it also somehow began giving me a numbing sensation. The nerves in my stomach and chest dulled to the point I could barely feel my fingers. I poked my belly. Well, that's an interesting side effect, I thought to myself as I finished rubbing that layer over my body. The numb feeling began to overtake my entire body, and as much as I thought it was better than the burning pain, it proved to cause normal functions to become difficult. My balance seemed to be thrown off because of the fact that I couldn't feel where my feet touched the ground. After that first day, I began to understand how to function, basically without my sense of touch. It took a lot of guessing and a lot of trial and error, but by the end of the day, they seemed to be able to move around as if nothing happened. I even convinced myself to check the scale in mirrors. I looked skinnier and felt lighter. The scale said I'd only lost another four pounds, but I thought if I began to use the cream twice a day instead of the one, I'd begin to lose weight much faster and finally get my ex-wife back. She'd be so pleased with my progress. I just knew it. The next day after putting on my second layer of cream and taking the pills as always, I decided that with losing my weight, I should start going back to the gym to build some muscle in place of my missing fat. Driving my car to the gym with my body completely numb proved to be much more dangerous than I'd anticipated, but I managed to make it in one piece. I walked in filled with more confidence than I'd ever had. Until I began to hear the whispers. It's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, look at that guy. Why does he look like that? Is it safe for him to be in here? That looks really bad. Is his skin boiling? That's disgusting. Yeah, why is he all yellow and purple like that? I did my best to ignore everything I heard and just get on with my workout. As I was doing curls with some of the free weights, I was able to see what they'd been talking about. The mirror before me displayed a terrifying sight. The skin on my biceps and around my ribs had turned a yellowish purple and blisters began to form over the bruises. The voice in my hand began to scream about how disgusting I looked. My focus quickly shifted from my own reflection to the reflection of everyone else in the gym. They looked like they were all hidden behind various pieces of equipment snickering at me. I could feel their eyes on me and the sudden flood of embarrassment filled my body with fear. What if I stayed like this? What if I was getting sick from the cream? Do I need to go to the hospital? I nearly crushed my feet as I dropped the weights from my hand and tried sprinting out the door. After the first few strides, my numbed coordination failed me and I fell, hitting the ground hard. I could feel the few of the blisters on my chest and arms burst as I made contact with the matted floor. I quickly stood up and rushed again for the door, again falling only after a few strides. My heart pounded in my chest and I screamed out in pain as more blisters broke and dug raw flesh across the ground. Pus poured from the blisters in a sad attempt to reduce the scene I created. I stood again and attempted a more calculated walk to my car. By the time I made it there, I convinced myself that all the hospital would do was waste my time on something I could do myself at home. So instead, I stopped on the way home and purchased antibiotic cream bandages and large rolls of gauze. When I reached my house and made it inside, I removed my shirt, only to realize that it was much worse than I thought, or possibly had progressed since I left the gym. My entire torso, everywhere... I had used the cream had turned into black, yellow, and purple bruise. Various blisters covering my chest had burst, leaving a disgusting yellow trail of pus flowing down my body. The smell of necrotic flesh filled my nostrils as the yellow ooze flowed from the burst blister. I quickly wrapped my wounds in bandages and gauze as I repeated the same few phrases over and over to myself. It's working so well, I can, I can deal with this. It'll go away after I'm done. I I gotta keep going. As soon as I was done ramping up my new development, I couldn't stop myself from getting on the scale. I had lost nearly 50 pounds and bandaged chest aside. I felt like I looked great. At least felt like what I looked like better than I did, but I was also beginning to see myself the way Stephanie saw me. It wasn't perfect yet, and I could lose more weight and gain more muscle. I was too excited about how far I had come, and sent a message to my ex asking to meet up and see what she thought of my progress. I was already convinced I'd made strides in my progress, and honestly thought that 
I had already achieved the look she was looking for. Somehow, and I'll admit I was slightly surprised myself, she agreed. That Friday, she agreed to have dinner with me. I was only a few days away, and I could still lose more by then. Everything was going just the way I'd imagined it would. I knew the boils and bruises were there, but I couldn't always hide them with bandages and a shirt. I couldn't even begin to describe the excitement that filled my body as the thought of getting my wife back had on me. I did my best not to bother her until Friday, which wasn't very hard because I focused on my new routine. The cream still burned my skin as I put it on, but it seemed to be working. The blisters and discoloration seemed to be getting worse, but I could worry about that after I had dinner with Stephanie. After all, I could just hide it until later when I finally stopped needing the pills and cream. The pills seemed to increase the effects exponentially. I did notice that my skin had turned wet and slimy around the blister areas. I just thought that as long as it did not spread to an area I couldn't cover up with pants and a shirt, I'd be fine. I was only slightly scared at realizing that with all the exercise and very limited diet, my health had begun to decline. However, I simply kept thinking of a couple of old sayings like, Beauty is pain and the risk is worth the reward. I got to her old favorite restaurant early. That way I could be there with the table waiting for her. The place wasn't five star, but it was fancy and the food was terrific. The table I got wasn't at the front window, but I was close enough for her to see me when she walked into the building. My heart raced with anticipation. I was so excited at how well I was going to do. She walked in and I could see the hostess lead her over to my table. As she looked up, she stopped about ten feet short of the table with a jaw-dropped smile before beginning to speak or rather exclaim, Oh my god, look at you! You look so much better! The dinner went great. I was as giddy as a schoolgirl because it was going just as I'd imagined. As we stood up just before leaving, my heart screamed with the desire for things to go back how they were before. The reality of what was going on with my body snapped back into the front of my head as she went in for a hug. As her body pressed against me, I could feel a few more blisters on my chest burst beneath the bandages. Walking out of the restaurant, she nearly caused my jaw to fall to the floor. She whispered something in my ear. Why don't we go back to my place for a while? I nearly had a miniature panic attack so my heart began to race. This was going so much better than I'd ever dreamed of. If she wanted to do what I thought she'd wanted to do, I didn't know what to do about the wounds and the bruises all over my body. I was terrified that she would see, but followed that thought by telling myself that I could just keep my shirt on and everything would be fine. I could still hide it until I could deal with it another time. It'd work out great until later when I could focus on that problem. Well, I suppose with how good it has been seeing you, what a better way to end the night? I finally responded. On the one hand, I felt as though we were moving extremely fast, but I also realized that it wasn't very long ago that we were married. That afterthought made me feel even more that things were just getting back to how they were rather than starting over, so to speak. As we lay in her bed, things quickly became serious. 
I tried my hardest to get in the mood for what was to come, but every time she rubbed against my body, I could feel another blister burst under the bandages. I prayed to gods I didn't even believe in that the smell wouldn't permeate the bandages and give everything away. Finally, as she removed her clothes in front of me and I once again saw the amazing body I so missed, she said the words I'd been dreading most. Your turn. Take those clothes off. I removed my pants, but kept my shirt on and went in to progress the night, but she stopped me. The shirt, too. I want to see all those new muscles you have. I can't. There's, uh... Something up with my chest, and I'd rather keep the shirt on. Take the shirt off, or it isn't happening, she demanded. I removed my shirt reluctantly as fear flooded my body. I only exposed the bandages, but it was enough to cause my fear to spike as she spoke. Why are you all wrapped up? Take it off. I want to see. No... Trust me, you don't right now. This will go better if you don't see it. Remove it now, she said in a rather unnecessarily stern voice. Sheepishly, I removed the bandages, revealing the boils and blisters that covered my chest and stomach. Her instant repulsion floored me and caused my heart to slam into my stomach as it fell. She retched and nearly puked off the side of the bed, screaming the same two words over and over. Get out! I grabbed my clothes and, for some reason, the bandages and ran out of the house as I put it all back on. Part of me felt entirely ashamed, yet my brain began screaming at me that I could fix this. I could make my body perfect. I just had to get back to the gym and keep using the products. That's all that I needed to make this work. But unfortunately, I couldn't help myself from giving in to that second thought. The next day, I was back at the gym, pushing myself to the limits as I drove myself to form the perfect body. The creams and the pills helped as I struggled through the burn and the blisters. However, I noticed that no matter how much of the supplements I used, they always remained just as full as if I'd never opened them. The blisters and bruises began spreading over my entire body. I could see it traveling down my arms and legs, and I used it more and more. I'd grown accustomed to ignoring the remarks and snickers of the other gym inhabitants. I'd burst a new blister, releasing a foul-smelling pus with every rep, and I could tell as everyone seemed to keep their distance from me. I assumed it was from the look of the wounds or the smell, but I knew I could make my body perfect if I kept going. I'd make it suitable for her, no matter what. following week, I finally learned just how bad it had gotten. I walked into the gym with a welcoming party of disgusted looks and people going out of their way to avoid me. I dropped my bag off in the locker room, took the pills, rubbed the cream all over my blistered covered body, popping a few. As I walked out into the gym floor, my clumsiness caused me to run shoulder first into one of the machines. The next few moments became a blur as I heard a wet splash followed by screaming.
I ricocheted off that machine and bumped into another. The second impact was quickly followed by another sloppy splat of a sound and more screaming. By the time I looked down, I realized that chunks of skin and flesh had fallen from my body with each impact. The splashing sound had been the meat landing on the floor. I felt my heart skip a beat as one of the trainers approached me. Chet was his name, and he seemed very concerned. Instead of responding to his patronizing claim, saying I needed a hospital immediately, and that he was a breath away from removing me from the gym, I panicked and ran from him to the locker room, pulling the pills and cream from my back. I threw them as hard as I could to the locker room corner, causing them to bounce off the massive man I noticed, who was once again sitting in his usual place. I had so many questions for him, but all I could get out was, Why? Why me? He stood as he spoke his final words, traversing the locker room and walking out of the door. Your greed was your demise. Did you get what you wanted? Or, as Icarus, did you fly too close to the sun? Your tragedy is your own doing. I sat nearly in tears in the locker room corner, terrified and scribbling furiously in my journal as his words dug deep into my mind. Seconds after his footsteps left the locker room, hurried men ran into the room, pushing a gurney. My heart raced, my nerves tensed, and I let out a brief horrified scream as I looked down, realizing that I had begun bleeding profusely after my skin removed itself while watching him over me. Sir, are you all right? said one of the paramedics. I can fix this. I can make it perfect. Before we get into this, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last story for the night, I need to put a trigger warning. This story deals very heavily, very openly with miscarriage and postpartum depression. If those are things that you struggle with or have struggled with and you think this story will be a little too much, feel free to sit this one out. The Sign of a Good Mother My eyes snap open as I'm forced to wake by a sharp throng throughout my hip bone. Misty-eyed from the pain, I have no choice but to roll over and try to stand. I rise with shaky legs and wait for the impending agony. One step down, twenty-five more to go till I'm in the bathroom. The second step takes place without much event, and then it hits. Instantly, I double over as I feel the sharp mass of pain drop deep into my pelvis. Ashamedly, I then recognize the sound of my bladder's failure sprinkle on the floor. There they are. At least I've made it to the third step this time, though. Usually they hit me on the first or second. 
It's so helpful to have my feet fully on the ground beforehand to help absorb the pain a little. I've looked forward to pregnancy for all of my adult life. I finally made it. 32 years old, 39 weeks, and 4 days pregnant with twin boys. We're naming them Christopher and William. My excitement over seeing our boys is almost palpable. And then of course, there's the pain and discomfort. I can't wait for it to be over. Now, I know I'm not the only woman in the world to have gone through this. However, I think it's borderline inhumane to make me go over 38 weeks without so much as a mention of an induction. The last two trimesters of my pregnancy were very stressful. I'd started bleeding heavily at 11 weeks. Fearing the worst, my husband Mark rushed us to the hospital, but they found absolutely nothing wrong. There were no internal abnormalities, and both babies looked perfectly fine. Aside from that, except for the constant gut-wrenching nausea, the last two-thirds of this pregnancy have passed without incident. The discomfort started about 32 weeks, but hadn't become unbearable until I hit 37. Now I just sit and play the waiting game time. I decided to try some old wives' tale methods of naturally helping things along. There was lots of sex. Doctor's orders. I did my best to stay more relaxed than usual. Mark may or may not have caught me eating raw pineapple with a hot sauce drizzle more than once. Nothing was working, and I was getting more miserable by the day. The time came for my mom's daily phone call update. Hey mom, no labor yet. Yeah, I'm okay. Yes, the boys are fine. How are you and dad? I asked casually. We're fine, babe. Listen, what you need to do is have Mark go and drive you down the bumpy dirt road. That'll speed things right along. Your grandmother took me down a bumpy road when I was pregnant with you and you came out the next day. My mother's told me this a lot of times, but I never really considered taking her seriously until now. Mom, how is that safe? That sounds like an aggressive way to start your... Mom interrupted me. You girls today, you get pregnant for the first time and think you know better than everyone. What do you think they tell you to have sex? What do you think that is? It's jostling. Your womb needs to be jostled. And what a ride. She laughed loudly and dirtily. Mom. I can't even. Gross. Everything's fine, I promise. When it's time, you'll be the first to know, okay? I love you. I hung up and told Mark what my mother had told me. He shakes his head with a smile. (laughs) Sure, okay. Let's just shake the baby out. Isn't there a syndrome for that? Yeah, that's how bad it sounds to me. One of the baby's kicks hit my cervix and I cry out, making hot tears prick the corner of my eyes. He rushes up to hold my hand just as I reach out for his arm to lean on. Baby, I really don't see what it would hurt to try. I can't do this anymore. You can't go to your doctor and demand an induction without a valid medical reason. They're so cramped in there. They'll probably grow up claustrophobic from this, you know. I say to him, half joking and half pleading. So we leave to head off into the woodsy part of town. All the best dirt roads were out there. Mark stops at the beginning of the first one that we came across. You sure you want to do this? You know I'll always support whatever you decide. I nod, double-check my seatbelt, and put my hand on the dashboard to somewhat brace myself. 
The first couple of roads were uneventful. The most that happened was I may have peed a little. But now it was dark outside, the only visibility coming from the headlights of our car. We turned on a road that's slightly wider than the ones we drove before. I wasn't enjoying this at all. I had momentarily taken off my seatbelt to try to ease a cramp out of my ribs when we hit. Due to the absence of streetlights, we didn't see the huge hole to the left of our path. My body bounces violently, slamming my side against the passenger door. A burn radiates through my torso that makes me scream out in pain, accompanied by a great gush of fluid. I look down to see red spreading throughout the middle of my jeans and see the car. Mark, take me to the hospital. Something's wrong. I command through tears. The horrifying red of my fingerprints glistens in the moonlight. They hook me up to the fetal monitors. The nurse, reading the screen, tries to hide the falling of her face, but I see it. She runs out of the room and comes back in with a doctor dressed in mint green scrubs. Mrs. Davitt, we are having trouble finding the second baby's heartbeat. Now, there can be a lot of reasons for this that are perfectly harmless. Just to be safe, though, we are going to go ahead and bring these little guys out into the world today. We're going to perform a caesarean section delivery to speed things up a bit. Sound good? He gives me a thin smile, eyebrows raised with the anticipation of confirmation. I'm in so much pain at this point, all I can do is look at my husband. He nods and gives me the most encouraging smile that he can manage. My voice is little and raspy, almost foreign to my ears. Whatever you think is best to do. I just want them to be okay. The pain. Something's wrong, please. My eyelids become heavy, and although I know I should be panicking, I feel strangely at peace. I wake up in a light blue recovery room. There are a bouquet of daisies on my bedside table beside a pitcher of water. Mark is there, his eyes swollen and red-rimmed from crying. In his arms, I see a neatly packed bundle of a blue blanket, a blue cap sticking out of the top. He starts walking over to me and places a baby in my arms. You sure you're awake enough to hold him? He asks me warily. After I nod that I am, he continues. Honey, I'm so sorry. I, I'll never forgive myself. One of our boys, our smaller one, didn't make it. He got knocked loose from your placenta, and by the time we got to the hospital, it had been too long. I sit there, almost numb. My eyes haven't even managed to look at who I'm holding yet. The only thing I can sputter out is, which one did we agree the smaller baby was? William or Christopher? I need to know when we have a service for him. His face grimaced before bursting out in fresh tears. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. William is the one we lost. You're holding Christopher. He gives me a heaving nod toward the sleeping bundle in my arms. Finally, I manage to look down. He's absolutely perfect. Well, look at you. Hi there. 
Look at you. Hi there. I coo. He wakes up upon hearing me speak to him. There he is. Our Christopher. A strawberry blonde curled cherub with the biggest dark blue eyes. I'm going to love you extra hard. You probably miss your brother, huh, baby? It was at this point my emotional dam shattered. The tears started coming, and it doesn't feel like they will ever stop. You don't have to be sad, Christopher. William will always be with you, I say to him, trying to sound as soothing as I can. It's two weeks after the service. We were home and settled. I've started to crawl out from under my rock of despair inch by inch. Mark came home the day before we did. He wanted to make sure everything was as easy as possible for me, separating the pairs of baby items from two to one. The name William was scraped off the wall and painted over to match the rest of the room. Not that I wouldn't always see the letters through the paint, even if no one else did. I haven't spoken to my mother since giving birth. She, of course, attended the service. My brothers and Mark did a good job of providing a subtle barrier between her and myself. It wasn't her fault, not directly, but I can't help my dark thinking. If I hadn't followed her advice, I'd be somewhere else at the moment, struggling with two newborns and not in a funeral parlor with just one. The casket is so small that it doesn't even seem like it should have been made. Death of human beings that tiny have no place in nature, but they get sold every day. <sighs> My mother wants to come by the house today, two weeks later, to check on Christopher and I. The selfish part of me says I'm looking forward to her visit just to save face. However, that's not the case. I feel like any little word out of her mouth will set me off like a rocket, and I don't want to spend my energy fighting today. I don't have it in me anymore to argue. Mom pulls up right around the time that Christopher has fallen asleep in his crib. I take in a deep breath of courage before answering the door. She has flowers in her hand and extends them out to me. Mom's never been a sentimental person, so this surprise yet touched me somewhere deep inside. Thanks, Mom, I say while guiding her into a hug. Please, come on in. We can talk while we wait for Christopher to wake up. Her mouth frowns when she hears he's not awake, but she graciously comes inside. Ashley, sweetheart, how are you feeling? I've been over it in my mind again and again on whether to talk to you about this or not, but I have to. Baby, I swear I would have never given you any advice that I thought, even for a fraction of a second, would harm you or my grandbabies. I don't know how I'll ever forgive myself. Are you bonding with Christopher? Mothers who lose one of a set of twins are way more susceptible to postpartum depression. She threw her hands over her mouth instantly. What am I saying? Of course you're going to be depressed. I just want to make sure you're able to bond with the baby who's here and not spending all your time missing the one who isn't. He's going to help you heal, sure as anything. You two need each other right now. It's a bittersweet shock 
to my heart, but I can't argue her point. They were words I haven't wanted, but really needed to hear. I hold my hand up to pause her for a second politely. Hang on. I hear the baby crying. I stand up to go into his room. My mother's voice trails behind me. Ash, I don't hear anything. When I answer the nursery, I can still see the imprints on the carpet from where the other crib was set up. I try to smooth them out with my foot while my hands smooth the tears from my face. My mom was right. Christopher was sleeping soundly. I heard him crying clear as day, but I guess he fell back asleep before I got in here. I walked back into the kitchen and rejoined my mom at the table. It was nothing. I thought he was crying, but I was wrong. He's, he's asleep. He's as happy as a bug in a rug, swallowed up tight. I assured mom. She chuckles lightly. That's normal sometimes. You'll think you hear them do all kinds of things. It just means your ears are alert and tuned to your baby. It's a sign of a good mother. We talk for a few more moments, and then I hug her goodbye. The rest of the month goes on with lots of these instances. It gets so bad that I finally mention it to the pediatrician at Christopher's two-month appointment. He just cries so loudly like he needs something, and then by the time I get to him, he's either lying peacefully or asleep, I explain to her. She grins and assures me all as well. Babies sometimes just make noises even in their sleep. It can be quite confusing and alarming to someone at first, but it's normal. He could be self-soothing himself by the time he reaches room, and that's a really great thing. A sign of a smart baby that will likely grow to be an independent child. Try not to worry about it. You noticing it just means you're close to your baby. It's a sign of a good mother. After having said that, she left the room. I packed up our things and went home. Mark is off today, and with these crying instances, I didn't sleep well last night at all. Mom's going to have herself a quick nap, I tell Mark. I hand him our baby and give both my boys a kiss. The instant my head hits the pillow, I can feel the pull of sleep sag my periphery and I fade away quickly. I wake up to the blaring siren of a baby's cry. My feet are on the floor before my eyes even open. Alright, Chris, Mama's gonna be right there. Hang on, okay? Gotta make you a bottle. It's okay. I'm still lovingly shushing in the kitchen after the bottle is made. My phone vibrates and I pick it up off the counter. It's a text message from Mark. I call out encouragingly to the baby again as I open the message. Hey baby, uh, you looked really tired today, so I took Chris out with me to get groceries. She'll be home in a couple of hours. Enjoy your rest. Love you. Well, maybe they came back because Chris was too fussy. The message must have just now come through. Sometimes our phones do that. I turn the corner to Christopher's room and I still hear the crying, so I'm not too worried. However, the second, and I mean the second, my toe enters the room, the crying stops. Complete silence seeps all around me in its place. With trepidation, 
I creep closer to the crib, not wanting to disturb him. Lying there peacefully, all safe and sound is... No one. It's empty and cold at the touch. I drop to my knees and sob, the tremors coursing through my body faster than my breath can keep up with. After searching the house and calling Mark, I believe I know what's going on now. When I told Christopher at birth that his brother was always with him, I didn't realize just how accurate I was. I still have both my babies. I can't help but wonder about the things William will say when he learns how to talk.